0: Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, welcome to episode 93. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So this is first week of the month, first week of March. And, of course, that means a history episode. And this year we are primarily doing episodes on World War II history. And that's what we're doing. That's our theme. Our theme for the yeah. year, for uh, the 80th uh, anniversary of American entry into the war in December 1941. So we're trying to pick for for this theme not just battles, but also other topics. But, of course, you do want to start with some battles because you got to say, why did the Allies win? Well, here's why. So we're picking out some battles that are crucial. And this month um the guys let me pick the pacific campaign in particular i wanted to discuss um a book that i've read that was attempting to kind of debunk the conventional wisdom about the campaign in the pacific and as you guys know which is well the conventional wisdom is that the battle of midway in june 42 is the pivotal battle that allows the U.S. to win the war in the Pacific and defeat the Japanese, um, and which, you, for a pivotal battle, is kind of early. I'll grant you that.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. kind of early, but I was always a believer in that. Yeah. That was kind of the that, that was the orthodox doctrine when it came to the war in the Pacific. Yes, that everything was was Midway. That's where we bushwhacked them, to use the word from the movie, <laughs> and uh, everything down there was downhill. Yes, even though it was a pretty hard hill to go. Yes. down. Yes.
0: Yes, and, that's, and you guys know me. You know that I love stuff that challenges that conventional wisdom. It's like, well, what really happened? What was really the cause? See, this is the history version of Martin sitting on his porch and yelling, Hey, you kids, get off of my lawn. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> hey, you historians, get off my lawn. <laughs> that's very good, Robert. I love that. That's very, very funny. I love that a lot. So the the book that I read and again, I just picked this up as a probably a lark a few years ago in uh, half price books. A nice shout out to half price books. It's called Islands of Destiny by John Prados, and he is coming at this from kind of the uh, intelligence analyst point of view. And his argument is, yeah, Midway did what it did, but what really breaks the Japanese is the Solomon's campaign. That starts in August of '42 with the invasion of Guadalcanal.
2: Uh, that is only a few months after Midway.
0: Yes, two yep. months after Midway. Yep, exactly. We want to make sure we have um, our timeline right here. Right, and and as the idea behind grabbing Guadalcanal is, if you can grab it and hold it, it's an unsinkable aircraft carrier because the Americans seize the Japanese airfield that's under construction on Guadalcanal and turn it into Henderson Field and fly what's called the Cactus Air Force <laughs> off of Henderson Field. Um, and Guadalcanal is a pretty extended battle. The Marines are stranded when the Japanese run the American flotilla away. Um, I believe that's in October. There's a couple of important surface actions in November. But eventually, the U.S. would gain the upper hand would prevent the Japanese from landing reinforcements, and would secure Guadalcanal. Um, so that's his argument, is that the Solomons becomes this battle of attrition around this first... Uh, the becomes a gate in the fence. Because...
2: Okay. The otherwise the, impenetrable fence. Yes. It's because,
0: salesman's foot in the door... As,
1: the, as you try and close it. Yes, yes, that's
0: exactly right. Because up to this point, when you talk about what the Japanese have done in the Pacific, they just haven't, it's not just bombing Pearl Harbor. They have a ring of positions around the entire Japanese home islands.
1: Right, they've spent the first six months of 1942 uh, going through the Solomons. You know, yeah. It's not like this is something they've been there for years. They've just taken over the yeah. Solomon. So this is this is this is why they're building an airstrip on Guadalcanal. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, they are. They're still entrenching during this time. Yeah, they're
2: expanding their frontiers.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, but they they have this defensive chain all around the home islands. Right. And I mean, the Philippines. Remember, they right. seized Hong Kong. They've pushed the British all the way to Burma. Right. Right. Um. So and and this has been going on since thirty six, thirty seven invasion of, of the Chinese mainland and seizing right. Nanking and, and all of this, they, they have this huge impenetrable right. circle around the islands. And they have to do that for a lot of reasons. You know, we geography is
1: extremely important in the war in the Pacific because, you know, the Atlantic is huge, but it's a drop in the bucket compared to the Pacific, right. especially as a battlefield. Mm-hmm. And you know, the reason that Hawaii is so important for the US is that it gives us a base in the middle of the Pacific from which to expand. If we had to do everything from the West Coast, it would have been almost impossible. I mean, the war in the Pacific either would never yeah. have been won by us or it would have taken several years longer. They have
2: never even happened. Right. Because because it would not have it. been worth it. Yeah. If they had it all, you know, they just, as long as we didn't bother them. And that's what they wanted. They wanted to give us a big bloody nose and say, okay, go home and let us have what's rightfully ours. Exactly. We decided no. We're not going to do it that way. They misunderstood the American character. But that's for the Pearl Harbor episode we'll talk about later. <laughs> well,
1: that's I think we're going to talk about some of that yeah. in this, this episode. Because
2: it's it's the reaction, ultimately, yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, you have to remember that you've got Japan and these islands that are just scattered all throughout the Pacific. You know, there's yeah. no islands like this in, in the Atlantic. I mean, you've got some places, but not like it is in the Pacific. Because there's the Ring of Fire, so you've got all these volcanic islands, uh, based islands. Mm-hmm. Um and they're fantastic places to put a few thousand men in an airstrip. Yep. And it's essential because the most important thing to do is to keep the barbarians, the Gaijin, off of Japanese soil.
0: Yes. You know, it's it's the way to protect the home islands. Exactly.
1: It, it is. It is the only way. Yeah. Because they've recognized that you know you could sail a fleet right into into uh, any one of the harbors and and. In, in Tokyo, you
0: Commodore know. Dewey did
1: it exactly. It's been done before.
0: <laughs> and just all of a sudden, show
1: up in the middle of the harbor. Yeah, and so I think there's probably a lot to that in the way they've thought about this, the mm-hmm. way they've gone about this. So yeah. if you make it impossible to get past those islands without being harassed and and attacked, you know that's their thinking. Yeah, and it's it's smart thinking. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the war is also a little bit different than it was. When Dewey did that, yeah, uh, warfighting capabilities.
0: Yeah. So that leaves us with several things to discuss. A little bit of Japanese background of what they're like, what their warfighting character is like. And then the actual circumstances around both Midway mm-hmm. and the Solomons. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Francis, you're probably our resident expert on Midway. Yeah. Okay, um, thank you. All right, I'll take that. I mean, not not that we're I've seen not both right. movies. <laughs> <laughs> not that we aren't right behind to you. To be
2: honest, you know, that's not a bad way of going about this because that first movie in 75... Was Damn accurate, it's pretty close, yeah. Yeah, it's a little
0: dramatized, but a lot of the big points,
2: you know, other than Charlton Heston and his son, yeah, yeah, you know, and we have to say the quote, you know, from our favorite quote from that movie, you better shape shape up, tiger, tiger. some Some hot shot shot, jet pilot's gonna gonna flame your your ass, (laughs) yes. We can't do it as well as Chuck did it, but nevertheless, it was, it's one of those dramatic moments because. You know, people talk all the time when the movie Titanic came out, oh, what's how innovative to put fictional characters in the midst of everything. Well, I'm sorry. Midway did that very well 20 years earlier. It wasn't the first, of course. But yeah, it was, I mean, that, but it that's was, what you do. Well, yeah, but for some reason when Titanic came out, all of a sudden people woke up and said, oh, what a great idea. Well, come on, it's been going on for a long time ago. But anyway, Midway is a, well, I mean, it is the turning point. And what gives it It's a, a little, turning point. Yeah, well, but, yeah, because something this complex has more than one. Right, media.
0: And, and that's my take on this. Yes, yeah. and, and again, that's part of this guy's argument is, okay, Midway did what it did, but there's more to it. The Japanese weren't beaten No, not at all. after Midway. No, they were handicapped. I think
2: yes. maybe it's a better way Severely. of saying Severely. Severely. And because the loss of the four carriers. Yeah, the is key the is guy. that
0: they were attempting a surprise invasion of Midway Island, mm-hmm. which was a, what, about, you know... It was a several hundred miles from Hawaii. It is, a but no, it's uh, the north, most forward northwest. It was yeah. the most forward,
2: and it was significant. It's a fairly decent sized island
0: because it has an airstrip. It has
2: an airstrip, and it was a. It would be the main staging area. They felt. For the United States response, yeah, uh, further out than and Hawaii. And the idea itself. is,
0: if they can seize it, then they can threaten Hawaii. That's correct. And then they can threaten the West Coast. Exactly. And, and so,
2: strategically, it made a lot of sense for them to go after that.
0: Yeah, And it
2: did. They were also very, very good at keeping their intentions on this secret. They—it was only one big error, and it was shown in the movie very, very well. When the, we broke the code. Figuring it out, and of course, your favorite line from Hal Holbrook uh, in the movie when he talks about, Hell, it's only 10%. You're guessing. He says, I call it analysis. (laughs) (laughs) We like to call it analysis. But that's basically, uh, they figure it out that uh, Midway is the target, and they confirm this. The fake message. The fake message about AF and the water condensers and all that stuff, which is shown very well in the movie. It was absolutely true.
0: Yeah, it really did. They really did. Once they
2: figured that out, then pretty much all the Japanese uh, tactics were easy to deduce from there, right? And that, so that
1: was critical. And that is, you know, that the the fact that we did this—I mean, it was a roll of the dice. It was an incredible, incredibly gutsy and dangerous move yeah, because to do. It this. was
2: a a guess on our part
1: and even getting it right doesn't that's, mean you win the battle that's right,
2: right. That's
0: just right. means you're there
1: it, it, <laughs> it's it's huge that they don't know we're coming and we don't know and they don't know that we know where they're going and when so i mean that, i mean it's huge advantages in any war when you know what the enemy's plans are but i don't think the japanese if the positions are reversed if they had broken uh some of our code and they had 10 percent of a message i don't think they ever would have gambled like we did I just Wait, don't. We'll so get into that, the yeah. Japanese mindset. Yeah. Did, yeah is, that's so that's it's, kind of it's the huge. underpinning of all this. It really is. I, I think it really is. So, you know, as I've said before, I think you can't break all of these apart too much. I think you got to start with Coral Sea.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at this, it's a month earlier. And that's when the Japanese think that they've sunk two American carriers. And because they don't realize that Yorktown is still afloat. Right. It's damaged, and, you know, they're thinking it's going to be, you know, the U.S. is thinking initially, oh, my God, it's going to be in dry dock for six months. No, they, th- <laughs> they throw some patches on it, and 30 days later, it sails out with Hornet and Enterprise. Right. That's a phenomenal thing. Yeah. And, again, I don't think the Japanese would have done it. We know they would have done it because that's why there's only four carriers there because they've sent to Coral Sea some of their strategic uh, right capital ships and
0: and, and carriers the what are called what are called fleet carriers yes fleet the carriers Japanese the start big the ones. war with six top line fleet carriers
2: right and, and that's a
0: lot of firepower and four firepower. of them
2: go down at midway
0: well and but, but before Coral that C- Coral
1: Sea right. two of them are damaged. Correct. And so they're out of the fight. Now they were damaged but they still could have been in the fight, but they don't have the planes. they don't have the men. So you know that's a big deal. Cause it's part of that mindset that all right we don't have enough planes on these guys and we can't take planes and and fighter jocks and, and uh, airmen and whatever and supplement and then throw them back into the fight because you fight as a unit and so they've got a they did not like to break up exactly
0: units of airmen exactly Keep them
1: together and I understand that but it's a rigidity that in the middle of war can be deadly mm-hmm. and so they think they've sunk two and they make a big deal of this we've sunk two american carriers so it, it, it they it sends their hubris through the roof because yeah. they think that americans can't fight that we are pushovers and that's why when you know we show up at midway with three carriers you know it's a total i mean it, it that
0: is a total surprise where did this other carrier come yeah. from mm-hmm. yeah that's the key after breaking the code nimitz very again, rolling the dice. Huge, huge thing. That if these guys get beat, we're wide open. We're wide open. Hawaii could be invaded the next day, and there's nothing you can they, do. About. You can't do it, and then the West Coast, and then it's. You're really, I mean, you literally could have a Japanese amphibious operation on the coast of California. I think at best it's raids
1: because the Japanese, I think, were too smart to, although well, they invaded China, so maybe well, they that, could do it, it.
2: Well, because it's, that's it's where their people were. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <coughs> but yes, their people were there. Yeah, and uh, you're right. They didn't have the manpower to, to actually effectively invade the U.S., but you've talk talking about harass it. Website. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, uh, and, and him you us could, in and stop the trade. Yeah, there's all that stuff going on and
0: there. Aircraft factories in California is a big deal. Yes.
2: All they need to get, do is get within range, and bombing raids can happen all the time. Yeah. And that's that would be a big so, problem.
0: So Nimitz takes a huge gamble, but it pays off. It does. Uh, his three carriers, he uh, they do eventually lose Yorktown. They do. But they sink. The Kaga, the Akagi, the hear you and the Soryu.
2: Whoa, you pulled that one right out <laughs> dude. of memory! Oh, oh dude, wow. fantastic! He had it. Blow it up, folks. He wasn't even looking at the Wikipedia page; he <laughs> was doing it from memory. So yeah, so but you're right
1: though that that is huge. Not just because of the the uh, the the big win that that gives the U.S. I mean, you know, emotionally and, and motivationally, that yes. that's huge. Yeah, but that is two thirds of their carrier fleet, and the other third
0: is still being repaired
2: right so and it's hundreds
0: big. of aircraft hundreds of aircraft and lots of pilots that's, are now yeah, dead yeah, yeah. and, and the, so the they're best
2: too yeah that's the invasion
0: of, of midway is is over now yeah, that, the movie lays it, lays it, it out very very
2: well it was in many respects a comedy of misdirection at yeah. times yeah. Uh, because they didn't know and we did like you said earlier, that really makes all the difference Yeah, here because N-N-Gumo, they don't know. The, you know they're t- constantly yeah. disarming and rearming yes. bombers versus torpedoes several yes. times. Uh, they're losing their cap over, over combat themselves. Combat air patrol. Combat yeah. air patrol. <coughs> over themselves. And we happen to be there at the right time and boom, blow them to smithereens. Or as, like, I think, like they say in the movie, bushwhack them.
0: Push because
2: that's uh, exactly what
0: happened. Uh, uh, Glenn Ford. Glenn Ford playing Spruance. Spruance. Ray Spruance. Yes. Spruins, yes. yes. Uh, uh, who was Spruins. in nominal,
2: nominal command of the task force, the carrier
0: task force, yes. right? Until Yorktown shows up, Fletcher Senior. Oh, okay. Too too detailed. Too right. in the weeds. But but basically, there's it's a huge sacrifice because we do go in sort of willy nilly. Um, the and there, it's important to remember at this time there are two different types of attack aircraft. Yes, there are torpedo planes. Yes, which are generally fairly slow, uh-huh. and they've got to get close. Correct. They've got to get down low and close to launch torpedoes. But it can be an effective weapon
2: if you've got enough of them, and they're yeah. and
0: they're good pilots,
2: which Japanese generally were. Yeah, and the Zero um, was a very effective. But we piece we of lost aircraft.
0: several squadrons of torpedo planes because they got separated from their fighter cover, yeah, and and just were massacred. Right. Whole squadron yeah. shot. Yeah, it,
2: once you get within range without those fast fighters, yeah, you're your targeted. Your yeah. so
0: from,
1: from a standpoint of men and material, uh,
0: it, it, it was a costly victory. Yeah, Very yeah. costly. Um, but we could replace them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, of course, the second type of then attack aircraft is the dive bomber, which you've got to get altitude and come straight down. And that's what eventually works again you mentioned the combat air air patrol uh for for the japanese they had come back refuel Mm -hmm. get back in the air and during that window and again nagumo this is again also portrayed fairly accurately in the movie he doesn't know what he's up against he doesn't know if he needs to re-attack the airstrip at midway he doesn't know if he needs to go after carriers so he's replacing torpedoes with bombs and bombs with torpedoes back and forth And so there's this lull, really, where the yeah. Japanese can't really undertake any uh, combat operations. And that's when the dive bombers pop out of the sky. And shows, the timing was perfect.
2: Yeah, it shows the critical nature of proper intelligence. Yeah. that's Because that's yeah. essentially well, what, what makes a lot yes. of this
1: happen. But them popping out at the right time was just as it much was luck.
2: Oh, yeah. It there's was luck. No, yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I don't want to minimize fight, the luck here. Yeah, yeah. things they went very fortunate for, for us. Yeah, they
0: found them and... No fighters. fighters yeah. No fighter cover.
2: That's right. And, and well, and, they're sitting ducks after that. Yeah,
0: and then so they smash three carriers in that raid, leaving burning hulks. Um, again, the this process of arming and rearming is going on, refueling. In it, many respects,
2: the Japanese never brought their full power to bear during this battle because of a, a lot well, of that. Yeah, so well, not, certainly in, not certain against
1: the, the the U.S. carriers um, because they were you know split uh split targets right you know that going back and forth is, is a huge deal um again it's the rigidity yeah we have planes that do one thing and one thing only uh, at a time you know certainly yeah it's great that you can put either torpedoes or bombs on them but you know how about have, having something a little more versatile and you know you're not as uh, uh, hampered yeah but you know either way though it, their rigidity is is i think one of their biggest downfalls. It's, it's it
2: working means, against them here huge. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that in the show prep. That, in might, in many respects, is the major difference between the yes. United States approach, philosophical approach, yes, uh, and, and the Japanese, yeah. is they were unable to adapt. And, you know, that's Darwinism one-on-one, folks. The adaptable survive, yeah. and Which those who aren't, don't. is a really,
1: it's almost an impossible thing for us to, to fathom, because when we think about the Japanese today... They are incredibly adaptable. Very much so. Yeah. Now they are, and they are innovative, but yeah. they are
0: more adaptive than they are innovative. Still.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, their big but thing is quality. Lo-
0: yeah, without losing a cultural identity either. That's right. unique and special.
1: Right. So right. you know, it's to think that you know they they couldn't adapt then is just
2: uh, how is that even possible? And well, that has to do with how the society is built. Yeah, yeah. it's I was a very top-down question itself because it was the leadership. That was the issue here. Is that well, fair? I think it's the leadership, but I, I think
1: it's also just the culture. Yeah, you know, I am no expert on Japanese culture, so no. this is yeah. you know somewhat me talking about my rear like most of what I say is talking about my rear end. Um, but your rear end's very authoritative. It is. It is. You know. Um, <laughs>
2: so, but it's a very. It's almost you know, <laughs> there are visuals we don't need here, folks. Thank goodness that this is audio uh. only. Let's let's skip a bit. Brother. Skip a bit, brother. Uh,
1: so, but it's a very authoritative uh, culture and very top down. Uh, there's, you know, even today, there's still a a, a, a strong current of uh, respect for authority. Yeah. You must respect my authority. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's almost genetic, <laughs> you know. I and it, well, the I think one of the best examples of this is. Uh, you know, nobody ever saw or heard the emperor. Now at this time, he's a bit of a figurehead because the the military leadership really does have control. Yeah, of I mean uh,
0: that's important. They they have a form of quasi democracy, kind of, but the prime minister is a military man, uh, and he runs everything. And right. it's basically a military dictatorship. Right. No real super difference between it and Italy. In Germany, only there's just no, there's but, no uh, figureheads there. Yeah, there, right. there's just no kind of um, what well, do you call it—a a, a, symbol? No, like you know, no ideology to it really. Oh, there, there's no there's no fascism thing right. to it. Well, there is an ideology. Yeah, but it's a different kind. Yeah, it really
1: is. So the emperor is very much a symbol of Japan, and. You know, it's not just... He, he's a figurehead, but culturally he's not. Right. I mean, he's considered divine. He's considered divine. And so when, when you take that route, you know, it's very... The respect for authority is going to be very huge. And how they viewed others is also very important in all this. You know, when you surrender or lose, you have lost all honor. When yeah. you have no honor, you are, you are subhuman. And so that's one of the reasons why our prisoners uh were treated
0: so poorly the british prisoners treated abysmally yeah forced labor yeah the whole thing it's and
1: like, you know that and, and that's why the, the you know the rape of manan king is so hard for us to understand because we don't understand the mindset that went yeah. into all of that when you surrender when you lose you are subhuman and honestly i believe that this time they as you said the the fighting men were pawns mm-hmm. uh Francis, that's what you said in the, in the show prep, and I think that's very true. How they treated their fighting men is vastly different from how we treated ours. Yeah. And that went into how the war was fought yeah. and how they were weakened by how they fought yeah. it.
0: And I want to get to that next. Let me just finish Midway. Yes. Uh, of course, the fourth carrier is is lost in, a, in the next strike. The Japanese are pinned back now. They can't really operate in a forward manner without the carriers. But... I think where Prados then is coming from is they can rebuild still and the the defensive chain hasn't yet been broken.
2: Right. Well it's it's an it's an interconnected web at this yeah. point. It's not and it's that it gives it its strength too, because you know, you can take out one, two, even ten, and it's not really a big deal. You have to take it out systematically in great big sections to do any real damage. Yeah.
1: Right. So I agree with them that that the the war was not won at Midway, but the the possibility was gained at Midway
2: uh, for the way it happened. You yeah.
0: gain you gain the advantage. The path is opened. Yeah, was open. yeah well, because and it's not you, just... you've got where you're limiting their ability to conduct offensive operations. Right,
1: because they're on they're mostly on the defensive because they can't project power as well. Yeah, they have to. Hawaii is safe. Hawaii is safe, and that's huge. Yeah. That's really huge. Um, it's, it's also important for American morale. Yeah. You know, Coral Sea, tactically it was not not exactly a victory for us because we lost more tonnage. But strategically it was a victory. Uh, but Midway, hands down, huge, huge victory. It's the first time... I mean, Coral Sea, we, we, we drove them off. We lost more tonnage, which in, in Sea Battles is, is a big deal. But Midway was the first... Outright true victory, we we, we destroyed them mm-hmm. essentially. When you lose those carriers; that's huge. What that does for American morale cannot be understated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Americans and it's a
0: real proof of concept. It's proof of, of concept. It's proof that, that hey, our flyers are equal to theirs, mm-hmm. and
1: that Our technology is equal, equal. or even better. And yes, because we, we have radar, they don't know. Yeah,
0: right. and and we can seriously now go toe to toe. In the air, and the the proof of concept of the aircraft carrier is the weapon, not the battleship. Right. Not really. Because before Midway, that was still debatable. Yeah.
2: It was being debated. It's it's an old
0: school doctrine of the decision's going to come down to two fleets getting within sight of each other and opening up with the big guns.
2: It's the Jutland mentality. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's. And
1: yeah, and this one definitely proves that wrong cuz once you realize that those tiny little planes can do so much damage and granted, I don't want to minimize the losses, but you know, if you lose 50 planes, that's a lot of men and material, don't get me wrong, but the the power projection that that represents is a lot bigger than you know, you get you can project more power with fifty planes than you can with a battleship,
0: mm.
1: and but those fifty planes, even if you lose them, are more easily replaced than the battleship. Yeah, and yeah. that's important. Uh, I, I think the, the 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 morale boost that this gives cannot be understated. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's you guys are that's super good stuff. You, you're so on the money, and and again, this it is a revolutionary battle. It is a battle in which the two fleets we never inside of one another.
1: That's right. It came within
0: 70 miles at one point, but
1: nobody knew it. Yeah.
2: Right. And, and and yet it changed everything. Yeah. Because from this point forward, tactics and philosophy and strategy were all different. Yeah. And I think
0: it's, it's all about what are you doing with your air operations? Mm-hmm. What's the best way to handle air operations? Right. Because, That's where you've got to put your mind now.
2: Right. Because battleships all of a sudden turn, and instead of them being the key they support the air operations now they're the ones that bombard the shore facilities every yeah. time they get in range because they got some power well you know if you're going to take it over you want to pound them into dust before you send in you know your troops Yep. it's all part of it's, it's all a it's a, a, thwarted, it's a, a floating negative. artillery
0: platform yeah
2: and the other thing that the the
1: island hopping does and this cannot be understated as well because it, but it's more subtle and that is that it, <clears throat> it it's when you first realize that Bombarding from shore and by extension from the air, which we don't really learn until a few wars later, uh, is not the only thing. You got to put boots on the ground.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah this is all. Yeah. You, yeah, that's something. And we're not really. I guess we're kind of talking naval war here in this episode. We're not really getting into those Marines on the ground as much. Well, but as that's part of his argument. Sure. But we, how, we will. We'll yeah. get there because that's what I want to
0: do it. next. Is I want to talk now that we've cleaned up midway and finished it. Let's talk Solomon's. Uh, and his argument is, again, this is an 18-month campaign of attrition mm-hmm. in the Solomon Islands. It's right. the first spot where we're going to try to knock down part of the fence. And that starts with the invasion of Guadalcanal. Again, we, we mentioned this. It's August 7th, uh, 1942. Martin's birthday, my birthday, is That's August 7th. I'm sorry if you're going to mention it, but That's I'm going to let it go. Why yeah. not? Yeah, yeah, Why not? Why sure. not? Um, And there are significant naval actions in October and November of 42. Um, The outcome of Guadalcanal is kind of in doubt. They run off our supply ships. The Marines are stranded, but they manage to... But they're Marines. They're Marines. They manage to hold. They take over the field. I mean, they're still under fire and they finish the airfield. They dub it Henderson Field and the Cactus Air Force is flying from it. Um, And that's it's now become an unsinkable aircraft carrier. and as, But as as uh, Robert points out, it's also an unmovable one. Right. But it is unsinkable. But you know, all you
2: need is a bunch of those, though. Yes. And, which is the intention. Yeah, you know? so it, yeah.
0: it becomes the you, first hole in the fence. Yeah. You use and that is interconnectivity against them.
2: Yeah. Because basically, if interconnectivity works for their defense, it also works for our offense. Yeah. Right. Or and that's the other the thing time. to
1: remember. And this is why I say that, that, that you can't have... The Solomons campaign without Midway first. Yeah. And that is that, you know, we are not able to move with the impunity because we see during this campaign that's not true. Right. Well, resistance uh, is huge. No, no, I'm talking about in the sea. Oh, yeah. Um, we see that, you know, it's still dangerous, but it's far less dangerous than it was. Yeah. You know, we move a massive amount of men on the water. Yeah. And that's and the ability to do that cannot be understated. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of the stuff, I, I have said that a lot, but I mean, it's all of these pieces are extremely important from our side, not just, you know, Coral Sea and Midway, but then the ability that those battles give us to move men and material to establish those bases, because we are thousands of miles away from, you know, yeah. our, our, our own bases. Right. You know, so this is, you know, from our main bases and our supply lines. So this is huge to be able to do that. And again, without Midway, you, you're not able to yeah. do that. Uh, that delays it, yeah, and to be able to establish this and keep them on the defensive. You know, they're not able to do any. They don't go around invading other islands. You know, they're they're busy repelling us.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. It changes the t- tenure for us from defense to offense. That's yeah. what Midway does, yeah. and from for them from offense to defense. Yeah. yeah, which never and it never switches back. It's it yeah. stays that way. I mean, they war.
0: make the attempt, and that's part of yeah, the argument here is. They have some success in the Solomons. They do. Uh, in fact, they, they, uh, they have a, a tactical victory and kill a U.S. admiral uh, that's in charge of a, of a, of a flotilla. And they, they do run the supply ships off from Guadalcanal. But the, this, it becomes such a battle of attrition, though, throughout the Solomon chain that uh, the area between the islands becomes known as Iron Bottom Sound. There's so many ships sunk there. Um, But his argument is then over these 18 months culminating with the seizure of Rabaul, which was the Japanese main force there in this area, their main uh, base in the area, that's what really breaks the Japanese. That's what really sets the stage then for what would eventually work, Nimitz's island hopping strategy. You go from Guadalcanal then to, you know, Iwo and Tinian and Okinawa and Guam and all these other places, inching closer and closer to the Japanese home islands, where eventually you're able to deploy the big bombers, and now you can you can really touch Japan where it lives. You can put Japan under the same kind of threat that Germany is. Under. Right.
1: Now, one of the things I want to point out, uh, you know, obviously the last time we talked about World War II, we did the Battle in the Atlantic uh, back in January, and I think one of the things that's important to understand why these theaters are so different is that in the battle for the atlantic it was mostly for us i would say it's mostly a defensive war but it had a lot of that character because we were defending the convoys
2: yeah.
0: that was the most important yeah. thing and there's there's a, a destination to get to that's an ally yes so it's, it's kind of like can i race from here to there without getting caught
1: exactly and that is a vastly different uh, thing to do Uh, And it's a much shorter distance. You know, there's no... Got to stop in the middle somewhere uh, to refuel and and refit. It's you go from point A to point B. Yeah. And that's important, too, because in the the Pacific, you know, everything is enemy territory. And... And it's vast. And it's vast. Enormous.
0: Just an enormous theater of operations.
1: There are no regular sea lanes that the Japanese can patrol like the Germans could. So, that, that holds true for us. Now... We know where all of their bases are because we can look at a map just as easily as they can. So, you know, that's another thing that gives us the advantage. We know where their forces are. Once we get to the point where we are on more of an offensive footing than they are, it becomes easier in that respect because we know exactly where we're going to go. And we don't have to worry about uh, as much about the the harassment because they don't have a huge submarine fleet. If they had the submarine fleet that the the
0: Germans did, that would have been a big
1: uh, difference maker would have been yeah. and
0: they deploy the submarines they have in a different doctrine yes it's much more defensive than what the Germans are deploying their submarines in right again Germans have mostly a sub fleet
1: whereas it's a surface yeah. fleet for uh, yeah. the Japanese yeah And doctrine is very important we talked about it a little bit I, I they want to, do not that's change. the next
0: thing I want to hit is I really want to then explore a lot of the, these ideas that we've talked about with the Japanese uh, military mindset, but first, this is normally where we would insert what we're now calling bourbon break, and where we would describe the uh, bourbons we're we're drinking. But we're recording this right after breakfast, and we've decided not to be day drinkers, even if it's on a weekend.
1: Yeah, not <laughs> today. Yes.
0: But instead of bourbon break, we'll take merch break. Yes, excellent. Be- because all three of us. Uh, I guess we tuned into each other's brainwaves. Yes. Uh, all three of us are wearing our brand new Snakes and Otters hoodies, our merch. We've mentioned this before. That's
2: right. We all got the memo.
0: And well, we've expanded sorry, <laughs> We've expanded into Snakes and Otters t-shirts. Yep. I, yes, I've just have. delivered to the fellas today. So, uh, special appreciation to Warren at Louisville Sporting Goods for uh, creating the Snakes and Otters merch. Um Mrs. Martin said especially to give him a shout out. So if anybody out there, if you're listening, and you need printed sporting goods and printed merch. Shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, I'm sure he does. Yes. So uh, if you're familiar with the printed sporting goods business, it's very dependent on high school and middle school sports. Yes. Which, of course, during the pandemic, there ain't been none. That's right. Been very minimal, so so uh, Warren could use the business. Let's just say, yeah. Uh, so we want to make sure to give him a shouty is a super guy. He worked with us when we were archery coaching, uh, made up shirts for for the archery. Yeah, team. and he really
1: did us a favor because we did small quantities. They very don't small. really like to do small quantities because it's because the setup is huge. Yeah, it's, it, a, huge it's a lot. Of,
0: it's a lot of trouble. So we yeah. really appreciate Warren and Louisville Sporting Goods. He's a great guy. Amen. He even opened the the shop a little early so Mrs. Martin could pick these up. So fantastic uh, if you have a need get there and i'm sure he'll ship you don't have to be in louisville
1: right you know i mean call him up it's he's on the web that's right louisville sporting goods right yep all right yeah all right so so while we're on uh, on march uh, yes. don't forget to uh, visit us at snakesandotters.com go to the blog uh, I've been real bad. Wabbit uh, Wednesday, as I like to call it, has been very minimal, and I apologize for that. But but the guys, they've been much better about
0: it. And on, I tell you, Francis, Monday and Friday, Francis. Yes, Francis Friday. Francis, Friday yeah. Francis has been knocking them out of the park. I mean, yeah. it's it's oh, towering okay. Hank Aaron shot after towering Hank Aaron shot. Well, I appreciate that. It's excellent stuff. Um, most of the posts that Francis and I have been doing, we're tying to episodes. Always, but most of the time. Most of the time. And Francis has really been tying them more to current episodes. I've been kind of reaching back, not around, but back right. to the past and getting some of the older episodes. But uh, Francis has been, he's been posting like a king. Yeah, well, uh, It's well, good stuff. Once, we,
2: Yeah, like, like King Louis, perhaps. It's kind of yeah. a thing. He's yeah, yeah, he did that. a post. I it. did one on King Louis recently. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then the current Francis Friday is... Um,
2: the Missouri Breaks.
0: The Missouri Breaks, a review of The Missouri Breaks with Marlon Brando and uh, Jack Nicholson, an old old, uh, old Western, Western movie. We tied it
2: to our Western discussion. We didn't discuss the movie in there, but perhaps we should have. It was really good. You know, read it. It's. Uh, I thought it was pretty good.
0: Okay, cool. So now, we, again, we've cleaned up a little bit on Midway. We've talked about the Solomons and Prados' argument, which I, I still find fairly compelling. It's very interesting. Again, it was a huge battle of attrition. The Japanese lose a lot of surface fleet and a lot of men, a lot of men. So, uh, he does
1: not minimize Midway. He just, is that correct? He just says it's it's much bigger than Midway. It's bigger than Midway. Which absolutely is true. Yeah.
0: And I think the key to his argument, and again, why the battle of attrition is so devastating to the Japanese, is something that we talked about in show prep. And I wanted to have robert talk about that it's this military mindset of not breaking up units yeah of keeping men together
1: it's the it's the, the adherence to doctrine you know w- you know and, and being who we are you know we like doctrine yeah. you know? yeah. doctrine's cool uh but that's from a theological standpoint um, from a military standpoint your doctrine has to evolve uh it has to change as is necessary Theologically, that's not exactly the case.
0: And again, that's crucial in this point because this none of this has ever
1: happened before. Right. They have come up with what they think is the way to go, and that's what they're sticking with. And that's an extremely uh, important thing to, to juxtapose against how the U.S. is fighting the war. Because we're willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. We find out what works, and if something doesn't work, we discard it. And you know it might be a very costly mistake, but we're not going to stick with it because it's a costly mistake. Yeah. And we will adapt and overcome. And as
0: Francis points out, that's kind of the Grant way of war. Absolutely, yes. if, if something that, doesn't work
2: from Grant, you know you are you must be flexible is the order of the day. Uh, whatever doesn't work, you throw it aside. You change. You you move quickly, and you keep hammering. And you keep hammering. You never let up. Uh, and to be honest, over time. That's the only way this works because your enemy, when they're inflexible, they're also predictable. Yes. So it's I mean, that they were doomed from the beginning once this thing started. If they couldn't, if they couldn't win it ri- outright, which is what they Early. were trying to do. Yeah. That's the and strategically that made some sense because yes. of their limited resources. But once that didn't happen, then they were doomed because they would not, they could not adapt.
0: Because it's it's a very tradition. Centered, it is culture, especially and militarily.
2: It is it's uh, which which runs things, and I, mean, it, I think that's you yes. mentioned that before. It's Very a military important. dictatorship, exactly. This is the 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 common, regular, everyday people all subsist to serve this military machine.
1: Yes, you know they are not communists, but the communists would recognize the mindset. Yeah. Right, the people exist to serve, serve the, the state.
2: state. Absolutely.
1: However, you want to define the state, yeah. whether you say it's the emperor. Or the government. doesn't matter. Or the glory
2: of the Empire.
0: The of glory of the Empire. empire. Yeah. So yeah. very Klingon, uh, I guess. But it's you know, but it's very. It's also very... I mean, that's where Roddenberry's stealing some the, of that... That's right. The Bushido Klingon, Klingon stuff.
2: Klingons were stolen from
0: him. Is, is this... Because uh, it would have been very familiar to it him. It would have been, yes. So
1: this is extremely important because it, it doesn't give them any kind of flexibility. Uh, one of the things that was important about uh, their response to uh even the coral sea was that the carriers at midway were undermanned because they did not replenish uh, all of the planes that they could have uh, you know th- well those carriers were not coral sea but they 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 were still under under strength uh, they were not full strength as uh, as they would normally be because of this the ones at coral sea are a great example of, of that because those guys that were damaged there rather than being rearmed you know sent new planes and joining uh, although I don't know they would have committed all six
0: but uh, right I mean they could have taken the the well, I think it would be called like a carrier air wing or... Yeah, air wing they, or air group. An air group. They could have taken the planes and the pilots from those ships and reassigned them to the four that are still afloat right. and had more striking power, but that was against doctrine. Right, you they keep kept them the, together. You kept these units together. Yep. And Which you, is
1: understandable from a certain perspective. Yeah. So I, I don't fault them from for that because if you have a cohesive fighting force, that's important yeah. too. But the inability to to cross operate is a severe yeah. disadvantage,
2: which they didn't recognize, which, which they did the, not recognize.
0: Which U.S. commanders would come to view these carrier air groups as interchangeable, right? If, if okay, if Saratoga is laid up, well, give me those planes and those pilots, I'll put them on Enterprise, exactly, and, and we would shuffle these groups that way and again, constantly maximizing
2: it's, your striking power,
0: yeah. And this is partially
1: out of desperation. You know, maybe at the beginning we might not have done it that way because. You know, if we have enough uh, manpower, enough ships that are that are active, maybe we wouldn't have. But we're scrambling to put together.
0: A, we, a we've task force. lost
1: hundreds of planes in right. Hawaii.
0: We've lost hundreds of planes in the Philippines.
1: Yes, you know our ability to fly has been severely hampered uh, because they're just gone.
0: Yeah,
1: and so we're we're scrambling to put whatever we can. So you know that desperation uh, certainly cements an already existing American mindset. Which is the do whatever it takes. Well,
2: um, build, and, building the carriers and the various variations of those was the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Jeep carriers and all the rest of the things to keep these things moving.
1: Right. Yeah. And part of that's, well, we have to because we've got to send our men and ships and, and planes a vast distance. So we need to be flexible. But also, innovation in the US is not top down, it's from the ground up, even then. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it was nothing. If somebody was working on a ship or a plane and they saw something, say, oh, you know, if we did this this way, we could improve this. Most of the time, that would be listened to and implemented. Mm-hmm. And so in the middle of a production run, you make this change and now you got a slight variation on, you know, half of, We didn't care. That was unthinkable
0: uh, to the Japanese. Yeah, because there, there's a couple of other points too. Um, it, it's always been observed that, you know, the, the Japanese left experienced airmen in the field, experienced yes. officers in the field, and those they got chewed up. Whereas they did not come back they did not rotate in to pass on their knowledge. Right. They didn't rotate back home. Uh and that's not a complete one hundred percent. I mean they did some. But right. very generally, if you were an experienced pilot, you stayed out. Right. Whereas You're in more, the US more valuable though. Yeah. In the US we tended to rotate Send guys back to San Diego or wherever and train, and so that knowledge got spread, and we had a larger and, group of experienced pilots. And also, importantly, it's how we view our men differently.
1: It is, yeah. I was you hoping know, you would it's say it's the seeing the men as pawns, mm-hmm. uh, as replaceable, uh, resources fodder, fodder, yeah, uh, especially the men on the ground. That's great. I mean, once yeah. those men hit the islands, you know, for the most part. They weren't exactly written off, but you know, they were expected to stay there and either win and, or die. And win, win or, or die. die.
0: Yeah, it was very rare for the Japanese to try to pull men out of an island, right? And because they were looking at us. back and, and well, let's just try again,
1: right? Well, to them, it was yeah. we're better, and surely these men will annihilate the attacking force because yeah, we were attacking with, with smaller forces. We weren't always attacking with larger forces. So, because at Guadalcanal, there was the landing force was fourteen thousand, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a relatively small number. Yeah, uh, when, when we think about large battles, but
0: you know, and especially when you're talking about an entrenched. But I, yeah, I mean you're absolutely right though. That that would become a feature of these battles in the island hopping campaign uh, when you get to Guadal or uh, Okinawa mm-hmm. and and Iwo Jima. Uh, Iwo Jima. All of these in all these places is it was stay and die. Yeah they were just a you were expected to die for the glory of, of the, the, empire. the empire. yeah
1: and you were expected to to take as many of them with you. Yeah. you cannot surrender yeah uh, and, and that's just a huge yeah. huge difference. Whereas with the allies, both the US and, and our uh, European allies, we saw men as resources, but they were valuable resources,
2: our greatest assets.
1: They were not tools in the same sense. I mean, every you know,
0: you're all tools in that sense, but yeah. it's different. I mean, it's the expectation. Yes, we're going to lose guys, but that's a necessary thing, and it's a but, bad thing. But we're not going to lose them Stupidly, carelessly, carelessly. And, and we're not, not going to if we can help it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we can rescue them, we will. We couldn't get to philippines we had to abandon there was just no way to get those men off right and so they were consigned to be prisoners so
1: but yeah so you know the that caring for the soldier and the airman and the flyer they probably would have seen it as weakness whereas it was not it was one of our strengths yeah because not only did we we let those guys come home and pass on knowledge especially with the the flyers because that's where the most i mean that's a very technical thing you know that right. there's a lot of training to go into to flying a fighter or a bomber uh but it lets it, them be
0: successful uh in combat yes not just learning to fly but learning how to fight in a plane exactly yeah
1: so but the ability to, to do that you know you rest and you you know you, you don't build up this huge uh uh backlog of things to have ptsd over you know i i can't imagine what survivors of japanese japanese survivors what kind of ptsd they had after after the end of the war because you know it was constant Mm -hmm. and nonstop. at least the ones that survived i mean you know i mean the 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 attrition was really bad uh obviously but that difference in how we approach things people are resources versus people are tools uh and it's not just militarily it's societal
2: yeah yeah I, I, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. That is That is, is huge. critical because that's where this all stems from. Yeah.
0: Uh, and uh, Because eventually they're reduced to the kamikaze. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, again, the they're state- not training the pilots. They're just saying, okay, here's how you fly. There's a ship. Point, your, point the plane it's at on. it and crash. Yeah. We want you to learn how to take off
1: and point your plane. That's Beyond it. that, that's all you need to do because yeah. you don't have to worry about landing. Because you ain't and, coming and back. We'll, and
2: we'll cover all that in ceremony, you know, the divine wind and all that sort of yeah. stuff which was, you know, the, and give you glory and honor for what you do, which isn't... In- but they actually believed it. It wasn't, it right. wasn't cynical. It was, a form, it was a form of manipulation, but it was so ingrained by yeah, this point. A psychological it, manipulation exactly that what it just is. hit
0: the Japanese psyche right on the head.
2: It, it, it nails it, and it's almost criminal, if you think about it. Oh, what. It it's oh, certainly yeah, it was. inhumane yeah. about what it's done is the state is so powerful that you are willing to give your own life freely for it. I mean that's some kind of messed up stuff, folks. Yeah. Well, for those of us who think, anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well yeah. and even back home, the families would have been honored by that. Exactly. You had they had all the do- You know, all the holes were plugged on all this. Yeah. So there was every single thing because the service to the state was so important. Now, we could talk a while, and I'm not sure I could even go into the depths of why that evolved because it was an evolution over centuries. Oh, obviously. oh yeah, yeah. There, being on an island into, uh, themselves. But, you know, Japanese had always had imperialistic tendencies uh, for centuries before. Well, they had that. to,
1: because their, their lack
2: of resources. That's, yeah, that's a lot of it. it yes. drives yeah. that, yeah. Yes, and that's so. So it's easy to see how that would be done uh, evolution wise, Darwinism, because that's the only way to survive. Yeah. But ultimately it proved not only counterproductive but fatal yeah. because this Japanese society had to be completely rebuilt yeah. uh, on the ashes of all that. Yeah. And the fact that they retained so much of the goodness of their uh, incredible culture is astonishing. It's a testament to their resilience, which yeah. their society may not have had it then, but they as a people certainly yeah. did. Uh,
0: yeah, and, and you still it's important not to... Hear this episode as an indictment of Japanese Not culture. It, it's, no. They're amazing. They are. They're amazing. Yeah, because you,
1: you, you still see some of the, the, the vestiges of that uh, that adherence to rigidity and authority. Uh, a great example of this is the movie Gung Ho. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the 80s. The, yeah. from the 80s. Uh, yeah, this is when Japanese were first starting to build uh, car plants in the US, and the way they went about things is vastly different. Than yeah. The way the the U.S. Uh, manufacturers did, and you know they would get the American guys out there to do the morning calisthenics, <laughs> and you know you think about you know an American auto worker you know with his uh, stereotypical this is not all of them so you know UAW guys don't 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 uh, come after us, but you know the stereotypical old guy with a beer gut, you know he George Went.
0: yeah exactly this is the char- this is the actor who played that that character in the film, you
1: know trying to do jumping jacks in the morning. Yeah, you know, what he's you know half blitzed from the night before yeah you know but that they thought that well of course why wouldn't you do this and that's how that because that's how they did it at home now what that that's a great strength in many ways because it allows you to to build a reputation for quality eventually yeah early on japanese had a reputation for junk they changed that around yeah and it became one of quality and it still is for the most part yeah. and part of that's the strength of their ability
0: to do this, you know, to, to they, in the to end, they proved and
2: far more adaptable than their society gave them credit for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's just one other point on, we're at 52 minutes. So we're going to wrap here pretty soon. We, we're trying to be rigid on our time listeners, but <laughs> there's one other thing we mentioned in show prep that I think is also important too, that is a display of this kind of tradition bound Japanese society. And that's, they had developed some really Good aircraft, yes, the Zero, but they never really went any further. They they just felt like, well, these are good enough,
1: right? They had no concept that we
0: could innovate the way we did. Yeah, well, and in the course, course of the, concept, the war, yeah, different. I mean, in the course of the war, we go from the P forty Warhawk to the P fifty one Mustang, uh, and in between, you have the F four uh, Corsair. The Corsair and the Mustang are two of the greatest fighter planes fielded by any nation during this period. Yes. Um, so we developed this huge advantage in these much better aircraft yeah. because the zero had they, they controlled the skies in the
2: early days yes. they were, far they were faster
1: and they could turn tighter. Absolutely. those are the two things that make a fighter and dominant yeah, They yeah. were
2: they were the shit yeah uh, at the beginning. yeah now but we figured that out. but anyway. you know
1: why we figured it out because we rotated our men home.
2: Yeah, well, that's right, this and they could and
1: tell in. they could tell the designers like, and engineers this like, isn't good yeah, enough. They turn inside us constantly. We can't get around them because if you can turn inside your opponent, you're right behind them. If you're right. behind them, you can take them out.
2: That's right. right. You lose. So
1: the only way you know when we when we shot them down it was either because we got lucky or we swarmed, and yeah. not entirely luck. But I mean, you know, early on it was it was a lot more harder difficult. to outfight them. Yes, it was yeah. much harder. So you rotate these guys home. And you get not just the benefit of training, but you get the benefit of, of battlefield intelligence. Yep. Mm-hmm. Battlefield intelligence is huge. It really is. Because Japanese probably were not listening to that as much from fighting man. Because
2: they weren't going home.
0: Well, they yeah. weren't going home. But I mean, even if and they weren't going to be listened to, because they weren't going to be listened to. The, because they, even if you the tell your officers are the authority and right. what they say goes. Exactly.
2: It's that top down versus bottom up. It is. Approach. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so that's that's, but you know, again, it's a difference in culture. You know, we're talking about time when the the, the rugged individualism of America is so ingrained in society that yeah. you know it's it is it, it is so difficult to to uh, to fathom how we you know it just it's what makes. The U.S. culture at that time, what it is?
2: Well, the Revolutionary War was the same way. Von Steuben said, "You know, I can't give you Americans a damn order until I tell you why." Right. It's (laughs) the same thing, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, that was you know, that's a German Prussian officer coming in and figuring out, oh well, okay, I got to do this differently here because that's just the way of the the lay of the land. He's
0: he's used to just giving an order and having it be obeyed because in Prussia. If a senior officer says something, you do it. That's right, right. period. The so, only thing you ask is how high when he says jump.
2: Yeah. Right. It did, didn't work that way for the Americans. Right. Well, you know, rugged let's face it. it same thing. Yeah.
1: Let's face it. America, by definition, our character is, hey, you kids, get off my lawn. Yeah. You know, because we leave, are. Leave me alone. Le- yeah. Leave me alone. We are the curmudgeons of the world in many ways That's, in that respect because well put, sir. We, we have, and we can be very rigid because we have our own way of doing things and we want to do things certain ways in some ways it's a strength in some ways it's also a a, weakness it just depends on how it's used but as far as being able to to pivot and and shift and what have you you especially during this time Mm. uh is huge
0: so i think our conclusion is trevor slattery hey 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 it's It's complicated complicated. yes midway is important yes the solomons and a battle of attrition that uh substantially weakens the Japanese fighting force all that's important. Yeah. But there's there's a lot to it.
2: And we and we it's... should take a moment too I think guys to remember all those who died over there on both sides. Yeah. Because it was a terribly bloody awful yes. conflict that the yes, only we... real records we got are the memories that came back culturally speaking. I mean yeah. there's everything is documented on both sides. Yeah. But uh when I visited Pearl Harbor in the year 2000 it was amazing to see the number of Japanese that were there as well, that we, when, you, when you
1: take... Well, there was the, a fair Japanese population very much so, in exactly. Hawaii at the time.
2: Very much so. Yeah. And it's uh, they were just as respectful yeah. of what happened yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, the
0: reconciliation between the U.S. and Japan and how close the two nations are now is one of history's great stories. It's one of the great success stories, It is. Yes. It, it is. is. It's wonderful. Yes. It's, a, it's a great, great story. And... For us, it's impossible to imagine a world where the Japanese are not our closest allies. That's right. It, it, it's it, like Even despite cultural happened? differences, we've yeah. actually informed each other of both, of uh, yeah. the goodness of all the way Although
2: I still just... despise anime. <laughs> 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 all right.
0: Uh, so, listeners, if you come across it in a bookstore, Islands of Destiny by John Prados, I think it's at the very least thought-provoking uh, and again, it, you know that's
1: the most I can ask of yeah, any it,
0: history book. Because if you just tell me the facts, I already know.
1: What's the point yeah. of reading it?
0: Um, uh, and also, 1976 Midway starring Charlton Heston and Henry Fonda. Uh-huh. Uh, all star cast actually. All-star, it really was. Yeah, it was.
2: It was one of those movies they
0: all wanted to be in. Yeah, and even Tom Selleck has a small part. Yes, he does. That's right. So, this is
2: pre Magnum PI. Of yeah. course, you know many of our younger so, listeners don't even know what that is. Blue Bloods, you know who he is. Yeah.
1: So great, great stuff. So well, guys, yeah, even the 2017 Midway was a good uh, was a good watch. Uh, I liked the actually the the Pearl Harbor bit in in midway in, in the in the later movie because mm-hmm. you know you, you really haven't gotten a good modern showing of that yeah. uh because you know torah 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 was great but it's
0: mid-70s right it was filming. it was
2: actually uh you know, shortly before the midway movie came well out they reused again. some of the footage
0: yeah they reused <laughs> some of the footage yeah, right. so, um, but you guys you guys not this episode out of the park. I think yeah, we came to the same conclusion. We seem to always come to history is a thread. Yeah. These things right. build on one another. Absolutely, it can't be done without the previous events. So mm-hmm. uh, that puts us right at an hour. So Francis, what's next, man? Oh my goodness, boys! We need <laughs> to do. You f-
2: see, you all knew this is coming. We're, I'm calling this. He's Twitter painted. Twitter painted. Right. Shatner Palooza. What do you think? I just chat <laughs> my pants. <laughs> We're gonna do three episodes. The next three episodes, March 2021 is William Shatner's 90th birthday. And the the guys are indulging me. They even commented earlier how the hell did this get on the schedule? We're doing three episodes. We're gonna do next time we're gonna do code of honor. We're gonna take some of the best quotations of James Tiberius Kirk. There's plenty to go around here, folks. I'm sure we're gonna have a wonderful battle over who's getting to say what. Join us. You're going to love it.
0: Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes published every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms.
1: And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter,
2: as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.